And I think as a whole, I just don't want to make ADHD a negative. I think it is a, there are gifts with it. There's challenges with it. And I know that for a fact, because I have quite a lot of family and, and friends who have ADHD. So I know there's challenges, but there are gifts as well with this spontaneous, impulsive, creative thinkers. They're mm -hmm. willing to risk more. So I think that's the, the whole theme of the book is that sense of accepting the way God wired you. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Happy New Year. It is the first episode of 2023, and I'm glad that you have chosen to spend today with me. So welcome to my podcast. I started this podcast about three, almost four years ago now for listeners like you who want to listen to interviews with published best-selling authors and learn more about the writing craft. And so that's what my goal is for 2023, to interview more amazing best-selling authors in fiction and nonfiction, as well as to provide more writing tips for the craft for you, those of you out there who are trying to write your very first book, or maybe you're seasoned and you're just looking for some encouragement and motivation to keep going on this writing journey. And I just want to take a moment to look back over 2022. What a blessed year it was for me for writing. I was able to release my first romantic comedy called The Fine Art of Love. And then book three in the Elves of Volgard series, Dragon Riders, where I was able to illustrate that story. And I was also able to join with three seasoned authors to write a novella collection and publish that. And that went on to be a bestseller on Amazon for a few weeks, and it finalized in the American Writing Awards. So that was such a blessing. And then my book, The Road to Home, won the Christian Indie Award for the YA category, first place. I'm so excited to hear about that. And then my longtime dream of releasing a coloring book came true. Here There Be Dragons was my first coloring book filled with dragons and fairies and wolves, and I look forward to creating more in the coming year. And then last but not least, another long-term goal of mine was met in that I wrote my first prayer journal called Seek Him, 25 Prayers of Hope, and it's based on the seven I Am sayings of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. And Lord willing, that book will be out by the end of January 2023. So my year was busy with creating art and writing books and working with fellow authors and, of course, recording many podcast episodes. And I have you to thank for all of your support. Your likes and your follows and your comments have been most helpful. And I look forward to serving you again this year in 2023. Suzanne Woods Fisher's name has become synonymous with her heartwarming Amish tales set in the fictionalized town of Stony Ridge, Pennsylvania. Publishers Weekly said, Fisher's fans and newcomers to Amish fiction will be overjoyed with this heartwarming tale, her new book called Anything But Plain. And in today's episode, I think you're really going to enjoy listening to her talk about 
her research for this book and the plot behind the book and the characters as well. She invites us back to Stony Ridge, a small town that feels like an old friend. So you know the drill. Grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we listen to best-selling award-winning author Suzanne Woods Fisher. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. I'm super excited to have Suzanne Woods Fisher with me again. The last time we spoke with Suzanne, we were in Cape Cod talking about her book, The Sweet Life. But now we are back in Stony Ridge, Pennsylvania, to talk about her new book, Anything But Plain. Welcome, Suzanne. Hi, Ruth. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. And we're jumping genres, too. From <laughs> yeah. Back to Old Order Amish. Fantastic. And so why don't you just give us like a little brief recap about yourself, and then we'll dive into this new book. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, I am... Let's see, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I am married to a corporate guy. We have four kids who are now all married, and grandchildren are coming fast and furious, which is wonderful. Yay! Really fun. And my husband is an ice cream maker. I think we might have talked about that mm-hmm. in Sweet Life. So he <laughs> made a batch of vanilla chocolate chip because we're having oh. our whole group over for dinner tonight. Oh, so that <laughs> is my favorite ice cream flavor. <laughs> he even makes the chips like a, um, he, he kind of cooks down the semi sweet chocolate. So it's a flat, thin, Oh, yeah. bark and then he breaks it all up and it's just mm. the house smells so good right now I bet vanilla Oof. and chocolate together oh wonderful and I'm reading the sweet life and as I read it it makes me want to have ice cream <laughs> I know <laughs> any time of the year well so now we're back though in Stony Ridge so let's talk about this new book anything but plain tell us a little bit about it and your inspiration behind it Well, Anything But Plain is set in this little town of Stony Ridge, Pennsylvania, Lancaster County, fictitious town, though, and all of my Amish books, fiction, are set in this town for a reason, because you have familiar characters coming on and off screen, which is kind of fun. The whole concept is this is a small town that you can kind of return to. So the story of Anything But Plain revolves around a young woman, Liddy Stoltzfus, who has undiagnosed ADHD, and she's trying her very best to fit in a highly conforming culture, as you can imagine. And she feels like just a square peg in a round hole. She cannot keep a job. She is late for everything. She is forgetful. Doors are left open. Refrigerators are left open. She just has a lot of the classic signs of ADHD, which often in women presents as more daydreamy than the hyperactive Kind of thing, but she's never been formally diagnosed. It's not common among the older Amish, but it is part of there. I've seen it myself when I visited there. It is, it is not completely rare. And I think what's fun about this story is that it opens the door up to a new conversation about the Amish. Very nice because yeah, you're right. We probably wouldn't think of that. A lot of people think ADD and ADHD is caused by all the technology, all the electronics that we use. 
So I think we we wouldn't think of it as affecting the Amish for that reason, right? Bring up a really interesting point, and I don't in any way mean to sound like an expert on the topic that mm-hmm. I have studied and studied, but I, I, you know, caveat, I am not in the medical field. But from what I understand, ADHD is a genetic disorder that you don't catch from technology, but all of us can be getting symptoms that are ADHD-like because of technology. So Mm. you're absolutely right there that we're all prone to this, this idea of the the distractibility, especially, Ruth. I mean, think of what happens when your phone texts you or don't you feel like Pavlov's dog? You're just listening to your phone. Exactly. So in some ways I have loved, well, every fiction book, I try to take a nonfiction theme because I used to be a nonfiction writer. So Mm. I love taking this theme and really drawing it into like questions and information in the very back. And when I do library events or interviews like this, could sort of to transform it from just a novel to some takeaway points, such as be mindful of what's going on in your own life, how how much a phone, for example, you know, really runs your life or how often the television's on or how much news you're listening to or how you feel when you're scrolling through Instagram, all those things that, that really kind of trigger some symptoms that are very ADHD like. So that off my soapbox, that's <laughs> a little bit of what I wanted to bring up today. No, but that's true. I mean, we have so much, um, so many interruptions, distractions that as writers, it's hard for us to stay focused sometimes because of all those distractions. And I'd say so many of them are caused by the technological breakthroughs that we've had, which are wonderful, but it just adds to that list of distractions. (laughs) You said that so well, interruptions. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. We just are prone to allowing them to run our lives. So tell us a little bit more about Liddy and her situation. Well, as I mentioned, Liddy can't hold a job. She's really just so frustrated. She disappoints people all the time. And she's just tired of it. She just feels as if she's kind of at the end of her rope, doesn't know what to do. But she does have this plan that she maybe it's time for her to leave and maybe she doesn't want to she loves her family she it's not an issue of being amish or non-amish for her it's really just more an issue of the sense of disappointment all the time she she just doesn't want to bear it anymore however um there is a gentleman next door a fellow named nathan yoder who is the exact opposite of liddy he is a farmer through and through it's in his dna he has that patient committed to the earth No, that just like grounded kind of a guy. And what's interesting now, Nathan has a story of its own going through this book where he is trying to convert his father's fields, which are highly chemically treated into organic fields, Mm. not, which is not unusual among the Amish. In fact, I, one of the Amish bishops I've become friendly with in Ohio was one of the very first organic dairy farms in the whole state of Ohio. So it is, it's not unusual to find organic farmers, though not all. But what's interesting about Nathan is that there's a lot of pushback for him, quite a lot inside the family and then outside as well. Mm -hmm. So you've got this, this girl who is just sort of creative and 
has a different ways of thinking about things. And you've got Nathan, who's a very grounded, settled guy. There's, you know, obviously as a kind of a love interest between them, but, mm -hmm. but here's an example of where they work together so well, even though it takes most of the book, you know, but at the very beginning, Nathan is looking at the fields his father had plowed and the father just went straight up over slopes and down again and all the runoff, all the problems with it, including all the chemicals that have sort of leached into the soil. And Liddy looks at the fields with Nathan one day and says, why are boys fighting the contours? Why don't you just work with them? Mm. And so he got this idea of actually plowing sort of around, almost picture like ripple rolls, rows around the, the slopes and the small hillside, which was brilliant because that caught the water. It kept the water in, the plants grew better. And that's an, an example because of what a different kind of thinker can bring to the table. She does not see that in herself, but he sees it in her. And I think as a whole, I just don't want to make ADHD a negative. I think it is a, there are gifts with it. There's challenges with it. And I know that for a fact, because I have quite a lot of family and, and friends who have ADHD. So I know there's challenges, but there are gifts as well with this, this mm -hmm. kind of, you know, spontaneous, impulsive, creative thinkers. They're mm -hmm. willing to risk more. So I think that's the, the whole theme of the book is that sense of accepting the way God wired you. Mm, I like that a lot. And that's true. Our son has ADD. He was diagnosed rather late. I think if we had known when he was in grade school and high school, it probably would have helped us a little bit to understand some of his behavior, but he wasn't diagnosed until he was in his twenties. So, you know, that is so interesting because I think I've actually had three interviews and they've all said the same thing that they've had a child. They didn't realize. In fact, I even have a family member, like one an extended family member that told her daughter recently, I never knew. I never saw it. I never understood it. I knew you had depression. I knew you had some other things. I did not realize what it all kind of stemmed from. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this story is I tried to stay true to the Amish and not, and have a resistance to medication. And I'm not saying that that's the right answer, but we had to go about the story where she was being taught some behaviors to change from within and not just have it smashed on her, not just have the criticism and the external expectations on her, but to start to make some movement inside out. For example, a planner. She was given a planner by this woman who was coaching her through this. And she was told, you write everything you need to do in that book. And if it's not in the book, you don't do it to help her stay on task. Those kinds of little suggestions are all throughout the book for maybe we would call them, you know, behavior modification, things like that. We all need them, Ruth. You know, yeah, so many things. that is so true. But I love how in your story, you have this opposites attract kind of storyline and but also how she saw things differently and Nathan embraced that. And so there's the hope. Like you said, you're you're giving your readers the hope that if they are like Liddy, you're embracing her uniqueness. You're not making her or her ADD um, or ADHD the antagonist, but you're you're showing the readers that her differences, her uniqueness can be embraced. And I love that. Well, and I do believe that. I think that 
one thing about Liddy in this story is that there's a sense of, um, you know, she has such defeat and I think depression comes with that. I think the, this feeling that you're never living up to what you want to the person you want to be. And yet she really had a lot of gifts to offer in so many different ways. As I study ADHD, I think I, it's not an excuse and it creates challenges, but it does have some upsides and it's given me such empathy and understanding Mm-hmm. to realize that people see things in a different way. And that is good. I mean, in a marriage, Ruth, think of your marriage. If an idea can get past both my husband and me, it's a probably a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I find that too. And that seems to be one of the themes of your story is that Nathan realizes Liddy is different, but he welcomes it. What are perhaps some of the other themes that readers can see in your story? Well, the whole organic farming was really, really interesting to to work with, and just the whole idea that um, so many lessons come out of for life lessons come out of nature. Mm-hmm. So there's this one example that I, I just loved, and it's the Bishop of Stony Ridge is kind of like your your dream pastor. He's mm-hmm. he's the opposite of what you think of an Amish bishop. He is, in fact, I've even modeled him after a real person this dairy farmer guy I was telling you about, mm-hmm. who is just one of the most, um, you can just sense the spirit of God in him, a very kind-hearted, very loving, very intelligent and understanding and well-read and open-minded and yet true to his traditions. But this minister or this bishop is actually watching Nathan out in the fields. And one thing Nathan does is he goes he, he works smaller. He's not trying to do as much as, you know, a farmer normally would want to try to do, but he's also walking the beans and that's called, that's an old fashioned farming term for weeding by hand. Oh. And it, the bishops watching him do this and watching him bend over and, you know, he, and he's examining his, his produce as it's growing. And you can catch so many mistakes if, you know, you catch them fast bugs and stuff like that you know, the invasion of the insects, you can catch them before it's you're, you're wiped out. But the bishop, I think, is looking at it and just realizing what a picture of life that is. If we can walk the beans of our own life, if we can pay attention to what responsibilities we have and really take care of them, you know, so, and I love that. So those are some of the themes that kind of come out in this, this story of a farming life. It's I'm not sure I'm doing a good job. It's so hard sometimes to describe a whole book. (laughs) Oh, it's, you're doing a great job. It's beautiful. And I do see those connections there. You're right. You can get so many life lessons of faith and hope and trusting God from nature. And I could definitely see that in, as you were describing it. Well, and then some of the things we learned from Liddy are just this idea, like not multitasking, slowing down Mm -hmm. one thing at a time. Um, when spend time in nature, like kind of really just calm your mind, let it settle. Yeah. Things like that. Um, I think even just going to bed earlier, she was always staying up super late and couldn't get out of bed, you know? And yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, things that are, are not that hard to do, but they actually make such a benefit if we just kind of pay attention. Mm, so true. 
Now, you set your stories in the fictionalized town of Stony Ridge. Did you find that there's benefits to setting your stories in a fictional town as opposed to if you really set it in an actual small town in Pennsylvania? Well, we, we had talked about the ice cream book, The Sweet Life, that's set in Cape Cod in a little town called Chatham, which is a very, you know, very well-known town. It's sort of the jewel of the Cape. So there was some fun things about placing it right in Chatham, like little things. My aunt lives there, so to hear, to know that the church bells ring only on Sunday, little things that just mm-hmm. really give the story some credibility. That's kind of fun, but I think as a whole, it's actually gives me a lot of freedom to sort of go, yeah, this little town and add on and subtract. And like right now, I'm working on a story I'm about to turn in, and and I actually have City Hall as part of the story. And the City Hall for this little no-name backwater town is in is behind the library and almost like a shed, you know. And just Mm -hmm. I can just do that, (laughs) but versus going and seeing it and making sure I get the lions correct on the entryway to the library and things that make it more real. That's fascinating. So imagine you have a writer in front of you who might be struggling with staying motivated because of all those distractions, right? (laughs) How do you stay motivated to write all these stories one right after another? I mean, what is your process when you might hit that block and uh, how could you advise a writer struggling? Well, one thing is your struggling writer, does she have a deadline or is she just sort of working on her first manuscript? Let's say she has a deadline. Okay. I think deadlines are great. Deadlines are sort of the answer to the mm-hmm. blog. <laughs> That's true, right? Yeah. You really need to make it work. I tend to break work down into really um, manageable segments so I have a word count every day. I have an index card with the things I need to do that day. Because half of the job, as you know, isn't just writing. Half the job is the marketing and the promotion and responding to emails and sending things out and you know brainstorming marketing ideas. So it takes up a lot. It's a lot more than I think people realize. People tend to romanticize the author's life. And it is actually a very hard work. And, you know probably about a dime an hour when you really get down to it. But that's true. But I think for your your fictitious friend, I would say if she can use that deadline and, and start with that and go backwards so that she doesn't feel as overwhelmed by the, the task at it as a whole, if she can kind of break it into manageable pieces and feel confident that if she can do this amount of words a day or these amount of pages, she's kind of marching toward the goal and she'll get there. Great advice. Breaking things down into segments. I love that. That is because sometimes we have a tendency to tackle everything at once. And if we don't, we feel like we haven't accomplished everything. But you're right. By just breaking it up into segments, that's more manageable. And therefore, we feel more accomplished and that we can actually do it. Well, the task as a whole is daunting. It is. Which is what makes it exciting too. But it really does kind of freeze you up too. It paralyzes you to think. I mean, one of the best moments of being a writer is signing the contract. And then it's just terrifying to think I've got to take open a Word document. (laughs) And get started. (laughs) And deliver on time. Deliver, yes. (laughs) They're expecting something of me. (laughs) 
So it is it is a big task, but I think if you can really break it down, there's an Amish saying about how um, Amish horses don't have headlights. And that's so true. They sort of, when the day's ending, the day's ending and it's time to stop. And you're not meant to do six months work in a day. You need to really just do the day's work. So I hope that helps. I have another phrase that I love, which is basically hang a thou in there. <laughs> that's beautiful. Suzanne Woods Fisher, thank you so much for taking time out to talk with me today for my listeners and for your encouragement. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's always fun to chat with you. And your book comes out. Yeah, it's already hit the bookshelves. Oh, that's exciting. Fantastic. And if you want to find out more about Suzanne and her upcoming project, she's on Instagram and Facebook, and you can go to her website at SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. So again, thank you so much for taking time out today. This was great. Thank you. That was great listening to Suzanne talk about her new book, Anything But Plain, the story behind it and her inspiration for writing that book and all things Amish in her fictionalized town of Stony Ridge, Pennsylvania. And I hope you've been encouraged by Suzanne's words, encouraged to keep going when the times get rough. Make a plan this year for 2023 to make it the year you finish your book. I hope that this year is your year. And thanks again for listening. And until next time, God bless.